0: Chapter 9 of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume 4, by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Rue de Chaillot. We will precede M. Badinot by some hours, as in haste he proceeded from the Passage de la Brasserie to the Vicomte de Saint-Remy. The latter, as we have said, lived in the Rue de Chaillot. And occupied a delightful small house built between the court and garden in this quarter so solitary although so close to the champs-elysees the most fashionable promenade in paris it is useless to enumerate the advantages which m de saint-remy who was decidedly a man at bonne fortune derived from the position of a residence so sagaciously selected we will only say that a gentleman or a lady could enter very privately by a small door in the large garden which opened into a back lane absolutely deserted communicating from the rue marbeuf to the rue de chaillot by wonderful chance one of the finest nursery grounds in paris having also in this quiet passage a way out that was little frequented the mysterious visitors of Monsieur de saint-remy in case of a surprise or sudden recounter, were armed with the most plausible and bucolical excuse for their visit to the lonely alley they were there they might say if they pleased to choose some rare flowers from the celebrated gardener who was so renowned for the beauty of his conservatories the visitors need only thus tell half falsehoods. For the vicomte, plentifully imbued with all the tastes of most costly luxuries, had a delightful greenhouse, which extended along the side of the alley we have alluded to. The small private door opened on this delightful winter garden, which terminated in a boudoir forgive this superannuated expression which was on the ground floor of the house. We may say, therefore, without metaphor, that a female who passed this dangerous threshold to enter m de saint-Remy's house ran to her ruin through a flowery path for in the winter particularly this lonely alley was bordered with real bushes of bright and perfumed flowers madame de lucenay jealous as a woman deeply in love always is had demanded the key of this small door if we dwell somewhat on the general aspect of this dwelling it is that it reflected if we may be allowed the expression one of those degrading existences which from day to day become happily more rare but which it may be as well to note down as one of the peculiarities of the epoch the interior of m de saint-remy's house presented viewed in this light a curious appearance or rather the house was separated into two distinct zones the ground floor where he received his female visitors the first story where he received his gambling companions or his dinner or hunting associates in a word what he called his friends thus on the ground floor was a bedchamber which was nothing but gold mirrors flowers satin and lace then a small music-room in which was a harp and piano m de saint-remy was an excellent musician a cabinet of pictures and then the boudoir which communicated with the conservatory a dining-room for two persons who were served and passed away the dishes and plates by a turning window a bathroom a model of luxury and oriental refinement and close at hand a small library a portion of which was arranged after the catalogue of that which la maitrie had collected for frederick the great such was this apartment it would be unavailing to say that all these rooms furnished with exquisite taste and with a sardanapalian luxury had as ornaments vateaux little known bouchers never engraved wanton subjects formerly purchased at enormous prices there were besides groups modelled in terra-cotta by Claudien and here and there on plinths of jasper and antique breccia some rare copies in white marble of the most jovial and lovely bacchanals of the secret museum of naples add to this in summer there were in perspective the green recesses of a well-planted garden lonely replete with flowers and birds watered by a small and sparkling fountain which before it spread itself on the verdant turf fell from a black and shaggy rock scintillated like a strip of silver gauze and dashed into a clear basin like mother-of-pearl were beautiful white swans wantoned with grace and freedom then when the mild and serene night came on what shade what perfume what silence was there in those odorous clumps whose thick foliage served as a dais for the rustic seats formed of reeds and indian mats during the winter on the contrary except the glass door which opened to the hot house, all was kept close shut the transparent silk of the blinds the net lace of the curtains made the daylight still more mysterious on all the pieces of furniture large tufts of exotic plants seemed to put forth their large flowers resplendent with gold and enamel in order to do the honours of this temple which seemed raised to antique love or the denuded divinities of greece behold a man young handsome elegant and distinguished by turns witty and tender romantic or libertine now jesting and gay to folly now full of charm and grace an excellent musician gifted with one of those impassioned vibrating voices which woman cannot hear without experiencing a deep impression almost physical in fact a man essentially made for love such was the vicomte in athens no doubt he would have been admired exalted deified as was alcibiades in our days and at the period of which we write the vicomte was nothing more than a base forger a contemptible swindler the first story of m de saint Remy's house was exceedingly masculine in its whole appearance it was there he received his many friends all of whom were of the very highest society there was nothing effeminate nothing coquettish the furniture was plain but elegant the ornaments being first-rate weapons of all sorts pictures of race-horses who had won for the vicomte a great number of magnificent gold and silver vases which were placed on the tables and sideboards the smoking-room and play-room were closed by a cheerful dining-room where eight persons the number to which the guests were rigidly confined when there was a first-class dinner had often appreciated the excellence of the cook and the no less high merit of the wine of the vicomte before they faced him at some high game of whist for five or six hundred louis or shook the noisy dice-box at infernal hazard or roulette these two widely opposite shades of M. de Saint-Remy disclosed, the reader will follow us into the regions below, to the very comfortable apartment of Edwards Patterson, the master of the horse of M. de Saint-Remy, who had invited M. Boyer to breakfast. A very pretty English maid-servant having withdrawn after she had brought in the silver teapot, these two worthies remained alone. Edwards was about forty years of age, and never did more skilful or stouter coachman make a seat groan under his most imposing rotundity never did powdered wig enclose a more rubicund visage and never did a more knowing and competent driver hold in his four fingers and thumb the reins of a foreign hand as good a judge of a horse as tattersall and in his youth he had been as good a trainer as the old and celebrated chiffney edwards had been to the vicomte a most excellent coachman and a man perfectly capable of superintending the training of race-horses on which he had bedded heavily when he did not assume his sumptuous brown and silver livery on the emblazoned hammer-cloth of his box edwards very much resembled an honest english farmer and it is under this aspect that we shall present him to the reader adding at the same time that beneath this round and red visage there lurked all the pitiless and devilish cunning of the horse-dealer Monsieur boyer his guest the confidential servant of the vicomte was a tall thin man with grey smooth hair bald forehead cunning glance with a countenance calm discreet and reserved he expressed himself in a somewhat choice phraseology with polite easy manners he was tolerably well informed his political opinions being legitimist and he could take his part as first violin in an amateur quartet from time to time and with the best air in the world he took a pinch of snuff from a gold snuff-box set around with fine pearls after which he negligently shook with the back of his hand as white and carefully attended to as his masters the particles of snuff from the frill of his fine holland shirt do you know my dear edwards said boyer that your maid betty really does your meals in a very fair manner ma foi now and then one gets tired of high living the fact is that betty is a very good girl said edwards who spoke very good french i shall take her with me into my establishment if i make up my mind to set up in housekeeping and on this point since we are alone my dear boyer let us talk of business matters which you know as well as i do why yes tolerably said boyer modestly taking a pinch of snuff one learns them so naturally when they are the affairs of others that occupy us i want your advice on a very important point and that's the reason i have begged you to come and take a cup of tea with me i am at your service my dear edwards you know that besides the race-horses i had an agreement with monsieur le vicomte to the complete providing of his stable horses and men that is to say eight horses and five or six grooms and boys for twenty-four thousand francs nine thousand guineas a year including my wages that was moderate enough for four years Monsieur de vicomte paid me very regularly but about the middle of last year he said to me edwards i owe you about twenty-four thousand francs what value at the lowest do you set on my horses and carriages Monsieur de vicomte the eight horses ought to fetch three thousand francs one hundred twenty livres each one with another and that would make and it's true boyer for the pair of phaeton horses cost five hundred guineas exactly twenty four thousand francs for the horses as to the carriages there are four let us say for twelve thousand francs that added to the twenty four thousand francs for the horses makes thirty six thousand francs well replied the vicomte buy the whole of me at that price on condition that for the twelve thousand francs which you will owe me paid as it were in advance you shall keep in place at my disposal horses servants and carriages for six months and you very wisely acceded to the proposal edwards it was a golden gain to you no doubt in another fortnight the six months will have expired and i become proprietor of the horses and carriages nothing plainer the agreement was drawn up by monsieur badinot the vicomte's man of business what do you want with my advice what should i do to sell the horses and carriages in consequence of m le vicomte's departure all would sell well as he is known as one of the first judges in paris or ought i to set up as a horse-dealer with my stud which would make a capital beginning what is your opinion your advice i advise you to do what i shall do myself in what way i am in the same position as yourself you Monsieur le vicomte detests details when i entered in his service i had by savings and inheritance sixty thousand francs two thousand four hundred livres i paid the expenses of the house as you did of the stables and every year m le vicomte paid me without examining my account at nearly the same time as yourself i found myself out of pocket about twenty thousand francs on my own account and to the tradespeople sixty thousand francs then Monsieur le vicomte made me the same proposition as to yourself in order to reimburse me i was to sell the furniture of the house including the plate which is very handsome very fine paintings etc the whole estimated at a hundred and forty thousand francs five thousand six hundred livres there were eighty thousand francs to pay and there remained sixty thousand francs which i was to disperse until they were quite exhausted in the expenses of the table the servants wages etc and in nothing else these were the terms of the agreement because on that outlay you have a profit as a matter of course for i made all the arrangements with the tradespeople whom i shall not pay until after the sale said boyer taking a huge pinch of snuff so that at the end of this month the furniture is yours as the horses and carriages are mine precisely so m le vicomte has gained by this by living for the last few months as he likes to live en grand seigneur and that in the very teeth of his creditors for furniture plate horses carriages which had all been paid for ready money when he came of age have now become the property of yourself and myself and so m le vicomte is really ruined in five years and m le vicomte inherited only a miserable million forty thousand livres ready money said m boyer with a disdainful air and taking a pinch of snuff add to this two hundred thousand francs of debts eight thousand livres about that's pretty well it was therefore to tell you my dear edwards that i had an intention of letting this house so admirably furnished as it is to some english family linen glass china silver conservatory some of your country people would pay a good rent for it unquestionably why don't you do so why there's considerable risk and so i make up my mind to sell the whole at once m de vicomte is also known as a connoisseur in first-class furniture and objects of art so that anything that he has selected will always fetch double its value and i am safe to realize a large sum do as i do edwards and realize realize don't risk your profits in speculation you first coachman of m le vicomte de saint-remy why there'll be a competition for you and yesterday i just heard of a miner who has recently been emancipated a cousin of madame la duchesse de lucenay the young duc de montbrison who has just arrived from italy with his tutor and is forming his establishment two hundred and fifty thousand francs of income ten thousand livres from land my dear edwards two hundred and fifty thousand francs a year just entering into life twenty years of age only with all the illusions of simple confidence and all the desires of expenditure prodigal as a prince i know the steward and i tell you in confidence he has all but concluded with me as first valet de chambre he patronizes me the fool and Monsieur boyer shrugged his shoulders whilst he inhaled another large pinch of snuff you hope to get rid of him parbleu he is a jackanapes an ass he places me there as if he ought not to have any fears of me before two months i shall be in his place two hundred and fifty thousand francs a year in land replied edwards reflecting and a young man it is a good house i tell you there is everything to make a man comfortable i will speak to my protector for you said m boyer with irony take the place it is a fortune which has roots to it and one may hold on by it for a long time it is not like the unfortunate million of m le vicomte a snowball and nothing else a ray of a parisian sun and that's all i soon saw that i should only be a bird of passage here it's a pity for the establishment did us credit and to the last moment i will serve m le vicomte with the respect and esteem due to him ma foi my dear boyer i thank you and accept your proposition and now i think of it suppose i were to propose the stud of Monsieur le vicomte to this young duke it is already known and admired all over paris true you may make a profitable affair of it and you why don't you propose to him this house so admirably fitted up in every way what could he find better bravo edwards you are a man of sense decidedly you have suggested a most excellent idea we must ask the vicomte he is such a good master that he will not refuse to speak for us to the young duke he may say that as he is going on the legation of gerolstein to which he is attached he wishes to get rid of his whole establishment let us see one hundred and sixty thousand francs for the house furnished twenty thousand francs for plate and pictures fifty thousand francs for stable and carriages that makes two hundred and thirty thousand francs and it is a bargain for a young man who wishes to be set up at once in the first style and the horses and the capital table Galfois, his cook will leave a hundred times better off than when he came here first m le vicomte has given him capital instruction has regularly refined him they say too that m le vicomte is such a capital player admirable gaining large sums with even more indifference than he loses them and yet i never saw any one lose with better taste and the women boyer the women ah you can tell the tale you have the sole entrée to the apartments of the ground floor i have my secrets as you have yours my dear fellow mine when Monsieur le vicomte ran his horses had you not your confidences i will not attack the honesty of the jockeys of your opponents but there were reports hush my dear boyer a gentleman never compromises the reputation of a jockey who is against him and has the weakness to listen then a gallant never compromises the reputation of a woman who has been kind to him so i say let's keep our secrets or rather the secrets of Monsieur le vicomte my dear edwards ah good what will he do now he is going to germany in a good travelling carriage with seven or eight thousand francs which he knows when to lay his hand upon oh i have no fears for the vicomte he is one of those personages who always fall on their feet as they say and he has no future expectancies none for his father has nothing but just enough to live upon his father certainly m le vicomte's father is not dead he was not dead five or six months ago when m le vicomte wrote to him for some family papers but we never see him here for reasons good for fifteen years he has resided in the country of angers but Monsieur le vicomte never visits him his father yes never never have they quarrelled then what i am going to tell you is no secret for i have it from the old man of business of Monsieur le prince de noirmont father of madame de lucenay said edwards with a knowing glance at boyer who appearing not to understand him replied coolly madame la duchesse de lucenay is the daughter of Monsieur the prince de noirmont the father of Monsieur le vicomte was bosom friend of the prince madame la duchesse was then very young and Monsieur de saint-remy senior who was very fond of her treated her as if she were his own child i learnt these details from simon the prince's man of business and i may speak unhesitatingly for the adventure i am about to narrate to you was at the time the talk of all paris in spite of his sixty years the father of m le vicomte is a man of iron disposition with the courage of a lion of probity which i call almost fabulous he had scarcely any property of his own and had married the vicomte's mother for love she was a young person of good fortune possessing about a million of francs at the melting of which we have had the honour to be present and m boyer bowed edwards imitated him the marriage was a very happy one until the moment when the father of monsieur le vicomte found accidentally as they say some letters which prove that during one of his absences three or four years after his marriage his wife had had an attachment for a certain polish count that often happens to these poles when i was at the marquis de Sennevals, the marquise a regular she-devil my dear edwards interrupted monsieur boyer you should learn the alliances of our great families before you speak or you will sadly blunder how madame la marquise de seneval is sister of m le duc de montbrisson into whose establishment you wish to enter ah the devil judge of the effect if you had spoken thus of her before tattling people you would not have remained in the house twenty-four hours true boyer i must endeavour to get up my peerage i resume the father of m le vicomte discovered after twelve or fifteen years of a marriage very happy until then that he had this polish count to complain of fortunately or unfortunately m le vicomte was born nine months after his father or rather m le comte de saint-remy had returned from this unpropitious journey so that he could not be certain in spite of the greatest probabilities whether or not m le vicomte could fairly charge him with paternity however the comte separated instantly from his wife would not touch a stiver of the fortune she had brought him and returned into the country with about eighty thousand francs which he possessed of his own but you have not yet to learn the rancour of this diabolical character although the outrage had been perpetrated fifteen years when he detected it the father of m le vicomte accompanied by m de fermont one of his relatives sought out this polonese seducer and found him at venice after having sought for him during eighteen months in every city in europe what determination a demon's rancour i say my dear edwards at venice there was a ferocious duel in which the pole was killed all passed off honourably but they tell me that when the father of m le vicomte saw the pole fall at his feet mortally wounded he exhibited such ferocious joy that his relative m de fermont was obliged to take him away from the place of combat the comte wishing as he declared to see his enemy die before his eyes what a man what a man the comte returned to paris saw his wife told her he had killed the pole and went back into the country since that time he never saw her or her son and resided at angers where he lived as they say like a regular old wolf with what was left of his eighty thousand francs which had been sweated down not a little as you may suppose by his chase after the pole at angers he saw no one unless it were the wife and daughter of his relative m de fermont who has been dead some years now besides it was an unfortunate family for the brother of madame de fermont blew his brains out some months ago and the mother of m le vicomte he lost her a long time ago that's the reason that when he attained his majority m le vicomte came into his mother's fortune so you see my dear edwards that as to inheritance the vicomte has nothing or almost less than nothing to expect from his father who moreover detests him he would never see him after the discovery in question being fully persuaded no doubt that he is the son of the pole the conversation of these two personages was interrupted by a gigantic footman elaborately powdered although it was scarcely eleven o'clock monsieur boyer monsieur le vicomte has rung his bell twice said the giant boyer appeared immensely distressed at having apparently been inattentive to his duty rose hastily and followed the footman with as much haste and respect as if he had not been himself in his proper person the proprietor of his master's house chapter nine read by Major.